Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Doesn't matter what our past was, right? Your past could have been in drugs and someone else in sexual sin, someone else just in unbelief. At the end of the day, we all need what happened on the cross. The cross should unify us. Everybody at the cross is humble, right? I couldn't do it for myself. He did it for me. The cross should bring the body of Christ together where it's like, man, we all need Jesus. We all need what he did. But at the end of the day, we're all looking up at the cross. He's great. We're just humbled and thankful to be recipients of his grace and his mercy and his goodness. So when he says here, what makes you to differ from one another? Nothing. We're, we're like. The church has a history of focusing on the wrong things. There's too many different denominations that all stem from the same book. Pastor Bill reminds us today that we all need the saving grace of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. There's no one who can't benefit from it, and we're all equal at the foot of the cross. It doesn't matter what denomination you are. It doesn't matter where you came from or how you grew up. When you know you'd go to hell if it weren't for Jesus, that's all that matters. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 4 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. As you walk with the Lord and live to honor Him, there'll be people that they love you for. They'll appreciate your stance and your commitment to Christ and what it means to them. And there'll be people that can't stand you for it. You have to be okay with that. We live in a very weak, weak, weak Christian culture where people want so badly to be liked and received so bad that many times we won't even tell the truth. There are ministers that won't tell somebody that, you know, if you, you, if you live like that, you would go to hell. There are ministers that won't, they won't say that anymore. This is so offensive and people get mad and, you know, I don't want to offend anybody. I'd rather offend you now than for you to enter hell and be like, that pastor lied to me. I think that would be worse. I, I, I don't want someone in hell looking back like, I asked him and he said it was okay. And so you want to be careful about living in the fear of man. The Bible says that the fear of man is a snare. It'll ensnare you and trap you and keep you from being the man or woman God wants you to be. God would have us to be free. So the first thing Paul says is we're stewards, right? He's a steward. We're encouraging our stewardship. I'm encouraging everybody here that you'd evaluate your life, evaluate what's in your hands, what's God given you, not what you wish you had, not what you hope to receive, not what you want to get in the future. What's in your hands right now? And are you being a good steward with what you have? Because you know how God's reward system works. When you're faithful with what you have, you get more. When you're not faithful with what you have, God takes away what you have and gives it to someone else more faithful. You end up with nothing. So if you're not a faithful steward, you're standing there with your hands full of stuff. Don't stand there too long. It'll start to empty out. It'll start to empty out, start to go away. And so everybody here, where you're at right now, evaluate. God, what do I have? And what can I do? Can I do what can I do for you? How can I be a better steward of what I have and do that? Be a good steward of what you have. Use it for his glory. Nobody will regret sowing into eternity, using what they have for God's glory. You'll regret sitting on it and not doing anything with it. That'll be more regrettable. So for, for where you are right now, consider what you have and make sure God want to be a good steward. The one thing that's required of a steward is that he be found faithful. Next section, look at verse um, six. Now, these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. I love that. I don't want you to think beyond what's written, right? 
So the boundaries are set for us, the word of God. He said, I, I, I don't, you guys don't think beyond what's written. And he says, so you guys don't become puffed up against one another. That was what was happening between them is, you know, instead of recognizing, he's going to talk about it as we get to the next section. Instead of recognizing that what I have comes from God, they were taking what they had as though they had earned it or it was theirs. So what happens then is you become puffed up. Oh, I can do this and you can't. I'm better than you. But we'll find out right here. There's no room for that in the body of Christ either. Right. That's not how it's supposed to be. Because God's given different gifts. Men put a greater value on some gifts than others. I pastor and I teach. Some people put a greater, they think this is the most important role, but it's not. I'm telling you, it's not. The people that are praying are important. The people that are serving are important. The people that are giving are important. The other people that are teaching, everywhere here where the word is being taught, Gabe's teaching, there are women teaching. Which one is less important to God? Which one's more important to God? Which They're all important. All the things, and they're all necessary, right? The reason why I can stand here and teach and I'm not looking in the back like, what's going on? What's happening? Do I need to go? You know, I'm not worried. There's somebody else out there for that. I can just get to teach. The, I don't have to worry when the women are in the room and the babies are over there. I, I know they're covered. I know some men out there walkie talkies. If anything goes down, we'll get a call. Um, but it's covered. It's taken care of. It's all important. There's not one that's greater than the other. Every one of them, every gift, right? Who's the giver of the gift? God. He's the big deal. So if you got a great gift for Christmas, your great gift doesn't make you great, the one that gave it, right? If you get a great gift, it's like, thank you. you know, my dad always hooks my kids up. So if, if we broke for Christmas, then I'd be, I'd be like, well, at least Pawpaw Paw hook him up, you know? And he does. He always hooks him up, and they be, you know, they leave Pawpaw's house cheesy. And if they get too big for toys or whatever, he just gives them cash. They leave with money, you know, whatever. And, you know, when they leave there, they're not like, look what I got. I'm, I'm tough. I'm bad. It's like, man, Pawpaw, they're they thankful to Pawpaw. He hooked them up. God gives these gifts. And I want you to think just what an affront it is to him. If God gives me a gift, then I start owning it like I'm the man. <laughs> I got that gift. You got that gift? You don't have that gift? I got that gift. <laughs> if, think about how that feels to him when he's saying, I gave you that gift to build them up, using it to build you up. That's not what I wanted. You misusing my gifts. That's bad stewardship. So let's look at the next section now. Look at verse seven. It says, for who makes you differ from one another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? And so he asks a bunch of rhetorical questions. Hey, what, you know, what makes you differ from one another? What makes you different from the other people in the body? Nothing. This is the cool thing with the body of Christ. Everybody, we all entered in the same way. Right. We all needed to be forgiven. That's why when we take communion, there's a the cross is is a great equalizer. Everybody here needed the cross. Doesn't matter what our past was. Right. Your past could have been in drugs and someone else in sexual sin, someone else just in unbelief. At the end of the day, we all need what happened on the cross. The cross should unify us. Everybody at the cross is humble. Right. I couldn't do it for myself. He did it for me. The cross should bring the body of Christ together where it's like, man, we all need Jesus. We all need what he did. But at the end of the day, we're all looking up at the cross. He's great. We're just humbled and thankful to be recipients of his grace and his mercy and his goodness. So when he says here, what makes you to differ from one another? Nothing. We're, we're like, we're the same. We need the same God. We need the same mercy. We need the same forgiveness. So, so be cautious of having a, a, a critical spirit. Be cautious if you're someone that's judgmental of others around you. If, if you feel like, you know, I'm, I, I feel like I'm a little better than everybody around me. Be careful about that sort of attitude. 
Because right here, you're looking at someone that's bona fide great, and he didn't have that attitude, right? Paul, I mean, as far as a minister goes, I don't know that you could be any greater, but he didn't see it that way. He didn't see it that way. When I look at the ministry of Jesus, right, he's God in the flesh, and he was humble. So it just, I, I look at those, and I'm like, how, does, how do a minister get to be arrogant? How do a servant of Christ get to be puffed up? against one another, right? That's the enemy. That's what he wants. And so he says here, look, if, if how do you differ from one another? You don't. That's a rhetorical question. You don't differ. What do you have that you didn't receive? Nothing. Everything you had, you received. And when you receive things, uh, what do you teach your kids? Somebody give your kids some. What do you teach them to say? Thank you. Thank you. That's the proper response. Thank you. I'm grateful. I appreciate. I've been given something. Thank you, Lord. That's the attitude of recipients. And since we're all recipients of God's grace, of God's forgiveness, of God's mercy and God's gifts, the attitude of our hearts should be praised. The one thing we should be all able to do together is offer up some praise. We got a lot to thank them for. So that should unify us. Right. What do you have that you didn't receive? Absolutely nothing. Now, if you did indeed receive it, he's talking to the Corinthians. Why do you boast it if you didn't? Because that's what they were doing. Imagine a group of people, you know, you name the gifts. I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a this. I, I got this ministry. I got this over here. Imagine a group of people boasting against one another. Paul is saying, y'all, y'all look crazy. This is not what God wanted, right? The goal of the gifts, we should come together, right? When I look at a body, I'm looking, for, I'm looking for the gifts, like a football team, right? What if the quarterback was like, I think I'm better than the receiver, and the receiver was like, oh yeah. Well, I think I'm better than running back. It was like, well, and if all the linemen said, well, we, you know, when everybody start fighting each other and then you put that group on out on the field, are they going to get anything done? No, nah, the receiver's like, you nothing without me. I'm not catching nothing. You throw the linemen, let the, the defense get in and smash you and it'll be a losing effort. That's what happens to the church. When we start fighting each other and, you know, the, the worship people or the, the minister or the, the this group and the that, and we're not, a, we're not one word odds. Then. When we are, we're supposed, to, we're supposed to get out here and do a work for God and reach the lost and say and, and minister to people. We can't. We all fractioned off. But you get that same team of people united. I appreciate my quarterback. This receiver is all that. Running back, you 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 open up the pass game. Lineman, you guys make it all happen. And when you get everybody together, functioning together, and it's like now you can get out there and smash the enemy out, get it done. And so as a church of God, as a church of Jesus Christ, when all the gifts are here and everybody's saying, hey, I recognize that gift, that we need that. I need some more people with that gift. And we need some people with that ability. And we need people to, if we get all those gifts going God's direction, we can have some great victory. God could do a great work in us and through us. And so that's why Paul is correct. He's not correcting them to put them down. He's saying, guys, there's a work to do. And the way y'all are fractioned up right now, the work won't go forth in the way God would have it. So I'm correcting you guys. So we want to glean and learn from them that the work God has called us to do, that it will go forward in power. And so he says, again, the last part of verse six, verse seven. Yeah, I'm like, what? it's not tongues. All right. <laughs> now, if you did receive it, why do you boast that you have, as though you had not received it? Verse eight. And again, Paul now is using sarcasm. So verse eight, there's some sarcasm. He says, you are already full. You are already rich. You, you have already reigned as kings without us. And indeed, I could wish that you did reign, that we also might reign with you. So Paul is saying, you guys act like y'all are already made it. Y'all are already there. Y'all are already full. You're already rich. And you're already reigning as kings. Jesus isn't even reigning yet. Y'all know that? 
right? How are y'all the subjects of the king of the kingdom reigning before him? And so Paul said, y'all got it all, all wrong. We, we, we are coming. There's coming a day where we will rule and reign with Christ, but it hasn't come yet. So Paul, y'all already made it. Y'all, y'all rich already, full already, reigning already. No, you're not. It's in their minds. And so this reminds me of Revelation. If you write notes, write down Revelation chapter three, verse 17, as the letters were written to these seven churches that all had their different issues. But to the Laodiceans, they were a church like this that saw themselves beyond what they should. The Bible says that we're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think in Romans 12, 3. But in Revelation 3, to the Laodiceans, as Paul writes them, he says, I know your works that you are neither hot or cold. So then because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth because you say, verse 17, I am rich, have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And notice what he said, Jesus speaking, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. That's a great contrast. They're saying we're rich, wealthy, and need nothing. Jesus is evaluating them. Jesus who sees everything the way it really is. Y'all are saying y'all are rich, wealthy, and need nothing. Jesus says, no, you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. We don't want to be people that have misjudged for ourselves, right? Jesus is not wrong here. He's evaluating them. He tell, he gives them a remedy what they need to do, um, how they need to come to him and receive what he has. So as Paul is speaking to them, he says, you guys already made it. So this is the mindset, the attitude we want to be careful about as believers. The attitude that says, I'm already, I'm already all that. You know, I'm, I'm, I made it. I'm, I'm super saint. You know, I'm, I've been in this thing quite a long time and, you know, I'm already there. Understand this, that no matter how long you walk with the Lord, you are still a work in progress. Amen. And that's a good thing that, that for me, I'm encouraged by that. I'm glad that, you know, when it comes to reading the Bible, like, I'm glad that I'm never going to read the Bible so much that it's like, I got that book. I mastered it. It's over because it's living. It's not novel. It's not a history book. It's a living word of God. And I, I can read through it every year and God's still speaking new things and giving just he's speaking through it. It's living and powerful. It's active. This isn't like some other thing where I could just memorize it, got a down pack. I got that. So I don't got that. I'm still getting that. I'm still seeking him. I'm still having to hunger and thirst and study and, and go after him because there's 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 more of him than I'll ever attain. There, I can't I won't get to the bottom of the barrel of who God is and what I could what I could glean from him. So so I continue to seek him. We all do. That's a beautiful thing. It's wonderful to know that this is not going to end on earth. Not till we get to heaven. Right. When you get to heaven, the Bible says you will know even as you are also known. Then you'll finally be a know it all. But not till then. Not till you get there. And then when interesting, the people that get there and know it all worship him with everything they got. So the more we know him, the more we should be people that just worship him and love him. So, again, he says, you're already full. You're already rich. You've already reigned. I, I wish that we could have joined you guys. Paul's being sarcastic. Verse nine. For I think God has displayed us, the apostles, last as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. And he's going to go on. But I want to point out a couple of things from verse nine and 10. Paul says to them that God has put us on display. And I want you to notice that Paul says both men and angels. How many of you guys know that angels are checking us out? The unseen realm, we blow them away. They, they really trip out when they're looking at us and they're seeing what's going on because they're in a different realm. 
right? For them, angels are not, you know, some people think when we die, you know, you see this every time somebody die, he got his wings. People think you die, you become an angel. I'm so sorry. I'm going to fix that for y'all today. You ain't going to get no wings. <laughs> I, can you imagine me with wings? You know what I'm saying? Like, don't do it. So we don't get wings. You're not going to become an angel. When you die, you don't become an angel. Angels and humans are two separate created beings. We don't get wings. You know, we're created beings. The angels were created. They're unseen beings. They're, they're, they're messengers for God. A third of the angels fell with Satan. Satan himself is also an angel. That's why he's not a, you know, the antithesis of God. He's not a direct match for God. He's an angel. He's a created being. He's, he's going to lose when it's all done. God threw him out of heaven like that. He fell like lightning. So angels, a third of them that fell are demons. The rest of them still belong to God. So they're still more with the Lord than with the devil. They're created beings. And in the unseen realm, they, they observe us. They have a relationship with God. God speaks to them, sends them out on missions, and they do things sometimes on our behalf. They're protecting us. Keep, it's going to be amazing one day to get to heaven and, and realize all the things that we were kept from, that they're angels at work on our behalf. Now, we're not supposed to pray to the angels. Some people pray, God, well, I pray my, I pray my angels, angels will protect me. No, you pray to God. God, you protect me. If you decide in protecting me to send some angels, cool. If you want to do it yourself, cool. I'm just asking you to protect me. You don't pray to the angel or for the angel. That's one thought out there. So they're at God's bidding. God sends them and they go do what he wants. So where Satan is kind of the, the troop leader of the third of the, the demons that are with him and he disperses them. But they're in the unseen realm and they observe what we're doing. They observe, you know, the grace that's available to us. You guys know that for the angels, when they fail, there is no plan of redemption for them. None. Um, this is in Hebrews. It says that for the angels, he gave no aid, but he did give aid to the seed of Abraham, which we are. We're the seed of Abraham. So spiritual, you guys know financial aid. I need financial help. First aid, need some medical help. Spiritual aid. God says for you guys, the seed of Abraham, y'all mess up. And I made a plan of redemption. I, I made aid for you guys. I made a way for you guys. But to the angels, he didn't. So that third of angels that fail, they can never be forgiven. They can never get to go. They don't get to go back. And so imagine what the angels that are watching people rejected are like, you guys don't, you guys don't understand was great. Imagine they, they understand the angels seem the demons seem to understand what hell is better than we do. If you guys look through the gospels, there are times where Jesus confronts those that are possessed with demons. and They're like, please don't, don't do it now. Don't torment us now. They know that their time is coming to be tormented and they're afraid of it. They're like, please, not, 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 not yet, not yet. They're begging him. Not yet. They're afraid of, they're terrified of it. But they're there watching us. God said, I made you a spectacle to them. Spectacle, we're spectacles of God's grace. Um, but I think it's also must amaze them how maybe we don't take advantage of everything that we have available to us. I would imagine that them, we have a different relation with God. We don't do it right now. We'll see later in Corinthians, but there's coming a time in the next realm when we enter into heaven, we're going to actually judge the angels. We're going to be over them. We'll learn about this later in Corinthians. But Paul said, why y'all taking each other to court? Y'all can't settle y'all matters and make judgment between yourselves. You know one day you're going to judge angels, he tells them. And so they're looking at us and they're going to judge us one day? <laughs> you know, we are blown away, Lord. I don't understand this. You know, I, I bet that just blows their mind, you know. Um, but Paul says, you've been made a spectacle to them. They're watching us. Verse 10, he says, we are fools for Christ's sake. Now I won't ask you to tell me how or where, but many of you guys have been fools. For no, no, no benefit. Just you just was a fool just because for the world's sake, for your own carnality's sake, for the flesh's sake, just just lived a foolish life. 
Um, that word fool, um, if you look it up in the Greek, it's the, the Greek word moros. We get our English word moron from it. This is the word Jesus used when he says, those that hear these sayings of mine and doesn't do them. It's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. It, it literally, the word to be defined is stupid. To know what to do and not do it. To know that this is what I'm supposed to do and then I don't do it. Guys, that's foolish. Here, Paul says, look, we become fools, but not in that way, for Christ's sake. And this is how I believe Paul means it, right? He's speaking to a group of men that are so concerned with what people think that they want to be distinguished in your eyes. They want you to look at them and be like, wow, that, that's a really important man. He's something else. Paul says, I, I become a fool for Christ's sake in your eyes, in people's eyes, not living for them. In Paul's day, right, Paul lived in a, a Jewish entrenched culture, a very religious world. And Paul came out of, you know, Judaism. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He came out of all that. And Paul said, look, I've I just had to accept that for Christ's sake, I'll be a fool. I'll be looked at by others as foolish. Stupid, moronic, someone that doesn't know what they're doing. I'll, I'll accept that for Christ's sake. I'm amazed at how many people will live like that in the world and then come to Christ and then they care. They, they, they don't, it doesn't carry over. They don't trans. God doesn't get the same deal the enemy had when he had you. And I'll say this for my life. When the enemy had me, he had, I was full on. I wasn't like a little bit in the world. I didn't like tinker with the world. I was, I was fully in the world. 100%. He had me. It would be wrong for me to come to Christ and be like, well, now I don't, I don't want to talk to people about the Lord. It's just embarrassing. God's like, you was at the club. You talk to everybody. You, you no problem. You just like, you just, just talk to everybody, make a fool of yourself, get drunk out in public. I mean, if that was what you were then. How are you going to come to Christ and be, oh, now you're going to be sophisticated. Too late for that. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't say sophisticated. I say Bill Buffington. You owe me, you know. So be careful that. That that's not you, that you're not someone that, you know, man, when I wasn't living for God, I was fully engaged in whatever it was. It might have been your own pursuits. It may have been, you know, some people when they weren't saved, they weren't into all those kind of things. But when it came to their careers or their jobs or their works, you saw a person that was passionate for something for money. Then they come to Christ and it's like, I got no passion. Now, I, I mean, I, maybe I'll do it. Maybe I won't. You know, God just get a raw deal. Paul said, look, I'll become a fool for Christ's sake. I want you to consider how each thing that he's saying, right? I'm a servant, right? I'm a steward. Here he says, I've become a fool for Christ. I want you to notice that none of these things can a prideful man be, right? You won't say I'm a servant if you're full of pride and actually be a servant. You won't say I'm just a steward, right? Everything I have came from him when you're a prideful person. You'll say, I earned this. I worked really hard. I went to school. I got my degree. I did this. this. You'll be talking about how you did it, how you achieved it, how you earned it, not how you received it. But when you realize what you really are before the Lord, you realize I've received great things from the Lord. He's great. I'm a recipient of a great God. Here he says, I'm a fool, right? Nobody wants to be a fool. Nobody wants to be. But he said, for Christ's sake, if that's how people will view me for his sake, I'm good with that. I'm not really worried about what they think because I'm living for him. And... We want to all grow to that place where we, we don't live in the confines of what people think. Not in a rude way. Some people take stuff like that. I don't care what nobody say about me. And, you know, and they, you know, they become rude Christians and abrasive Christians and just hurting people. You know, I'm going to just tell people everything. I don't care what you think. That's not what Paul is saying. But when it comes to what God wants, Paul says, I'm going to do what God wants in the face of adversity. When Paul goes into a city and they say, you can't preach the gospel here. Yes, I can. Watch me. I'm going to do it. So what would they think? God called me. I'm ordained to preach the gospel. I must. 
put him in jail, you know, for, for preaching the gospel. He didn't stop. He ministered to the jailer. The people that were around, everywhere Paul went, Paul was like, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep going. First Corinthians touches on how the city of Corinth was rampant with idolatry and immorality, not too different from cities of today. Does this mean that you run away and isolate yourself from the sinful world? No, but Paul's letter did communicate that as a Christian, it's important to live a life that's upright and pure before God, even in the midst of a dark and sinful world. When the pressure is great, your opportunity to contrast the dark with light can be even greater. How does one do this with all the influences pressing in? Keep looking to the Word of God for direction in all things. If you're seeking some assistance with where to read, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the Word on a daily basis. Look on our website, CalvaryInglewood.org. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through 1 Corinthians. Before we go, we'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider supporting this ministry financially. Any amount is appreciated. These teachings are broadcast on the radio and help spread the good news of the gospel. That's a powerful thing. If you'd like to find out more about how to support A Transforming Word, go to CalvaryInglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything, we hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. We look forward to joining Pastor Bill again next time right here on A Transforming Word. Transforming Word